0: ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن اعمالنا من يهدهنا فلا مضل له فلا هادي له اشهد ان الله وحده لا له واشهد محمدا عبده ورسوله يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا وقولوا قوما صديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم لكم ذنوبكم وما يتبعكم رسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما and We start in the name of Allah, the Most High, the one to whom belongs all praise, the one who controls all affairs, the one who gives, the one who takes, glorified and exalted is He. And we send peace and blessings upon the Prophet Muhammad and his family and his followers until the end of time. Ameen. Our topic for today's khutbah, today's sermon is, why do I care to follow the Prophet wasallam? Why do I care to follow the Prophet send them in small things and in big things? And I think this is actually an extremely, extremely important question and topic for a number of reasons. But we'll touch on some of those in the beginning of the sermon and then we'll make our way into kind of the Muslim efforts at preservation of the sunnah, of the way of the Prophet وسلم, and how that leads us to be able to be confident to say That the image and understanding that we have of the Prophet is an accurate depiction of who he was. And then to say why we actually care to love him. So the first thing to say is that our faith tradition is not simply a matter of identity. Our faith tradition, our way of life, our Islam is a matter of salvation. It's not a question of merely being happy in this life or having and accomplishing the things that we want to accomplish but more importantly and at the higher level it is an issue of what we attain in the next life and whether or not when we die and when we are brought back to life and when we stand in front of our Lord whether or not we can confidently and accurately say that we followed the way of the Prophet and that we love this man and that is an issue of salvation primarily it is an issue of the pleasure of Allah or the absence of the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it is not only about identity. And we know in the Qur'an from what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us that that pleasure of Allah is linked to the love of the Prophet sallallahu wa and to the commitment to following the way of the Prophet sallallahu wa So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ إِن تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ فَاتَّبِعُونِ اللَّهِ That if you say, if you love Allah, then follow me. Allah is commanding the Prophet to tell the people, if you love Allah, then follow me. This is the actual true indicator. If someone is not committed to following the way of the Prophet then their claim towards the love of Allah is a claim that is merely lip service, because it is not supported by the Word of God Himself. And the Word of God Himself is that that love must show itself in action, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala also says, "May you turn, may you turn, Rasulah <laughs> Allah." That the one who follows the messenger and obeys the messenger of Allah wa sallam has actually obeyed Allah, because it is the way of the prophet. The prophet is the one who is bringing that revelation to be followed. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala also says, "Man khalidu minu waladu <laughs> mina tanida qad Allahu Rasuluhu amran ay yakan lahum dhiyara min amrihim." That it is not the way of the believing man or woman that if Allah and His Messenger have declared something, they have decided something, it is not for them to have a choice in it. It is only for them to follow the way of Allah and His Messenger. And then the verse concludes by saying, وَرَسُولُهُ دَلَّ مُبينًا And this leads us to the next point. And the one who disobeys Allah and His Messenger, then they have gone far astray. They've made manifest error in their way astray, From where they need to be So the third reason why following the sunnah really matters And following the Prophet really matters Is because we need guidance (coughs) We need guidance The world that is consistently plagued now By a a never-ending feeling of impermanence Everything feels impermanent Nothing is stable Five years it changes Six years it changes Seven years it changes We are in need of something that is stable and as the Prophet ﷺ said that these are the things that you hold on to after he dies You hold on to the book of Allah and the way of the Prophet ﷺ So we need that guidance And Allah ta'ala describes the Prophet ﷺ as having a number of roles That Allah is the one who has sent amongst the nations a messenger from them as we've talked about before, who will recite the verses and will teach them how to purify themselves. And the last thing that he will do is he will teach them the book and wisdom. We are in need of the way of the Prophet because the way of the Prophet is wisdom. It's not just rules, it's not just requirements, it's not just things that we repeat at different places and we do at different times, but it is a submission to divine guidance in the form of the word of Allah in his book and in the form of the practice of the Prophet وسلم, as his messenger. And in the following of that guidance, eventually with time, wisdom is born. And in that guidance, we find wisdom. And we are in desperate need of that guidance. The last point that I will say that I, I learned actually from reading about a rabbi. But it bears perfect analogy to what we also need to know. And this is the he was asked, you know, how is it that you're answering in medicine? you talk about all these different things? And you're just a rabbi who studied the Torah. And he said, when you go to build a building, you have an architect, and the architect puts the blueprint, and then you have this contractor that comes, and the contractor reads the blueprint, and he tells the specialist what to do. He tells the electrician, this is how you do the electricity. tells the plumber, this is what you need to do with the plumbing. And he puts all of the specialists in their places. But he's the contractor. His role is to read the blueprint. And he said in response to this that God, when He created creation, He gave revelation, and the revelation is the blu- blueprint. For us, the blueprint is the teachings of the Qur'an and the teachings of the sunnah of the Prophet them. If that is followed, everything else falls into place. Another example is to think about a circle. When you try to draw a circle by yourself, that circle is always going to come out not quite perfect. But what do you do, what do you need in order to draw that circle that's perfect? You need a compass. And you take out the compass and you plant the center down. And when you draw around the center, because the center is stable, then your circle becomes stable and becomes perfect. So the analogy of understanding the faith, the analogy of understanding the Qur'an, understanding the way of the Prophet is that analogy. That if the center is st- established, all of the learning, all of the actions, all of the experiences in life will just draw new circles that are perfect circles. And they will go around that center that is properly placed. But if the center is not properly placed, then the circles will be messed up for the rest of the person's life. And so we care about following the sunnah of the Prophet them again because it's about salvation, because it is what we need to do in order to attain guidance and wisdom in our lives. The next reason why I care to follow the way of the Prophet ﷺ is because the way of the Prophet is firmly authenticated. When we talk about the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, we talk about a number of things. And oftentimes Muslims, when they say, this is the sunnah, this isn't the sunnah, they don't actually understand which definition they're using. Because in Islamic terminology itself, there are multiple definitions of the sunnah, depending on which area of specialization you're looking from. So if you're looking from the specialization of what you should and you shouldn't do, then the sunnah is something that should be done, but does not have to be done. But if you're looking at the sunnah from the perspective of what kinds of things can be used as evidences in deriving rules in Islam, then the sunnah is the statement of the Prophet and the action of the Prophet and his approvals. And the sunnah, if you ask someone in the hadith specializations, it's even broader than that. So what is the Sunnah in the end? The most broad definition of the Sunnah. The easiest way to understand the Sunnah is that the Sunnah is the way of the Prophet. The way of the Prophet in small things, the way of the Prophet in big things, the way of the Prophet in external things, the way of the Prophet in internal things. What is going on with the heart and the states of the heart. The way of the Prophet in thinking about the affairs of this world and how we balance them and how we deal with people and so on. The whole way of the Prophet is the Sunnah of the Prophet. And the companions of the Prophet were very dedicated to the preservation of his way from the very beginning. The first way that they were dedicated to the preservation, again, is to act in accordance with what he brought. So they tried to live their lives as closely as possible to the way of the Prophet But also in the preservation of the statements and actions and deeds and and, and descriptions of the Prophet they were also very adamant in this as well. And so you have examples like Jabir ibn Abdullah The great companion of the Prophet وسلم, Who traveled all the way to the Syria region In order to check a hadith that he had heard about This is someone who was living in the vicinity of the Prophet For an extended period of time Someone who was knowledgeable of the Sunnah Someone who was knowledgeable of the Quran But when he heard that there was a hadith that he didn't He he heard in some narrations, he had a different narration of it, and he wanted to go check it. So he went all the way to Syria in these times, in those times, to check the hadith, then he came back. Abu Ayyub al-Ansari, another companion of the Prophet they said one time he wanted to check a hadith also. He traveled all the way from Medina to Egypt. And he got to Egypt and they greeted him at the gates of the city and they said, you know, welcome to Abu Ayyub, this great companion of the Prophet He's like, I heard that you guys have this hadith. And he said, yes, I heard the Prophet wasallam say this, 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 this. He said, thank you. He got on his ride and he went back. He didn't even stay. This is how serious the companions were. Not to mention the generations of scholars that came after them. People who traveled all over the populated world of Islam in their lives. From Egypt, to Syria, to Yemen, to the Hijaz, to Central Asia. Anywhere they possibly needed to go in order to find a hadith, they want to find the hadith. And not only to establish everything that's possibly narrated about the Prophet. No. To figure out what is reliable versus what is not reliable. To tell us in later generations this is something that is authentic, this is something that is not, and this is the reasoning behind it, and so on. So you have amazing areas of study. That the Muslims actually, it's not only hadith fiqh itself, the rules of halal and haram are an example of the preservation of the sunnah, because the way of the Prophet sallallahu Allah is known through that as well. So scholars of fiqh were actually amongst the first people who were serious about the preservation of the sunnah. And you have works like imam Maddox, You have uh, actually works attributed to Shafi'i and Hadith and Abu Hanifa as well. They're sometimes debated, but still, you have these works of Hadith that are attributed to the early scholars of Hadal and Haram. Not only the scholars of Hadith. And the later scholars of Hadith went through the efforts that they went through to memorize tens and hundreds of thousands of narrations. And to sift through tens and hundreds of thousands of narrations. This is not, sometimes we come in the modern world and we think we're really smart. And that we can come up with something that people didn't come up with before. and Every time you see it, subhanAllah. Every time I've seen people who are trying to come up with new ideas. This hadith, no this hadith is questionable. Or this is whatever, this is this problem. This is casting doubt on the tradition of Islam and Muslim scholarship. Every time you find these things, all you have to do is read about the debates that happened 1000 years ago. And the exact same issues have already been dealt with. But we come up with them and we think that we're very intelligent. So you see this in the the development of hadith and fiqh, you see this in the development of the books of hadith, you see this in the development of the methodology of hadith sciences, which is unique to the Muslim tradition. You have even non-Muslim historians that have used the methodology of hadith sciences to write history. Because they said this is a very authentic and reliable way to know what is true and what is not true. It's not just that everything is taken because someone wrote it. But there's a whole process to figuring out what is reliable and what is not So you have hadith sciences, you also have biographical dictionaries Muslim scholars wrote thousands and thousands of biographies of people Just to know, is this person who was in this chain of narration Who narrated this hadith, who were they? And were they reliable or not? Thousands of biographies So this whole massive scholarly endeavor, this whole massive scholarly endeavor exists, why? Because the nation of Muhammad loves the Prophet Muhammad. And we want to be able to say, this is what he said, this is what he did, this is what he looked like, this is how he dealt with people, and we can reliably say, with confidence, that this is actually true. These are not fairy tales, these are not tall tales, these are not fables that are written in books to draw lessons from, and that's it. This is actual divine inspiration in the life of a human being living on earth and embodying the message of the Divine Word in the Qur'an. And so the first major reason that why I care to follow the sunnah of the Prophet and we'll come back to this in the second half is that we can actually reliably say that this is what he did. And that in itself is an amazing and incredible thing. If you think about Muslim history and everywhere it went and all the places that were dealt with and all of the peoples, to be able to say reliably, this he did, this he did not do, is an amazing and incredible thing. alhamdulillah salatu salam Again, all of that matters mostly because of the issue of reliability. And the issue of reliability is one that is central to Islamic thought from the very beginning.
1: That the companions themselves were
0: concerned about whether or not something actually came from the Prophet. That the Quran itself indicates an importance of this. O you who believe, if someone who is unreliable comes to you with information, then check the information. So, this is something that has existed all the way from the beginning. And, like I said, why that matters is because we can reliably say then that this understanding and image of the Prophet that we have preserved in the books and in the minds and hearts of scholars throughout history is reliable. And so the last reason why I care to follow the Prophet in light of that previous one is because I love him. And I think that it's the same for everyone else perhaps at varying levels and perhaps for different reasons. And so one of the things that I would encourage people to do And this is the exercise that I went through In order to come up with the second half of the khutbah Is to sit down at some point today Especially because the day of Friday is a day Where the Prophet ﷺ himself encouraged us To send extra salah and salam on him So it's a good time to engage in this activity Because we will then be in the remembrance of the legacy Of the Prophet ﷺ And say wasallam." That's why I don't mind how many times I've had to say that in the khutbah Because it's the best of remembrance. And so you sit down and you think, why do I love the Prophet And, you know, we love the Prophet not because he commanded us to, even though he did. That he commanded us that if you don't, you know, if someone doesn't attain true faith until they love the Prophet more than they love themselves and their family and everything else, not because those things are not important, but because those things... The center in the compass is the Prophet. Wa so all of the things that are on the circle, on the rim of the circle, actually have importance because of the center. And he tells us, you know, that that we have to follow him, that we have to do we have to pray for him, we have to care for him, all of those things, of course, but that's not why we actually love him. And so I love the Prophets of Allah. Obviously, this is going to get a little bit personal. But I love the Prophet وسلم, for a number of reasons, and I'm just going to list them until we run out of time, inshaAllah. I love the Prophet وسلم, because of the way that his wife consoled him when the revelation began. And because of what that means about him as a man. And what that means about him as a fam- part of a family. And what that means about his wife and her character. I love the Prophet because the way that he whispered in the ear of his daughter before he died and gave her the glad tidings that she will be following him next i love the prophet sallallahu because bilal is not able to give the adhan after the prophet sallallahu has died because his love for the prophet sallallahu is so much that if he goes up onto the place to give the adhan and he starts to make the adhan, when he gets to Ashadwan Muhammadan Rasulullah, Rasulullah, he's not going to be able to continue. And he will have to stop. I love the Prophet because when he gave that reasoning to Abu Bakr and Abu Bakr continued to push him, he told Abu Bakr Bilal, told Abu Bakr, if you, re- if you released me, if you saved me from slavehood for yourself then I'll do it, but if you release me from slavehood for the sake of Allah, then I will not do it. And Abu Bakr stopped. I love the Prophet because his best friend never doubted him. Abu Bakr radiallahu alayhi and even when they came to him with the question of making the night journey and ascension to Jerusalem and then to the heavens, something that seems absolutely incredible and unbelievable When they came to Abu Bakr and they asked him, your companion is saying this, what do you say about it? He responded with exactly what we should respond with anytime anyone tells us anything or casts any doubt on the Prophet ﷺ, he said, if he said it, it's true. If he said it, it's true. And I believe him in things that are bigger than that. I believe the revelation comes to him from the heavens. I love the Prophet because when him and his companion Abu Bakr are going in their immigration and they're fleeing for their lives and they go up into this cave and the Prophet is so tired that his best friend carries him on his back up the, ca- up the mountain into the cave and he takes pieces of his own clothes and puts it in the holes of the cave. To stop animals from biting, insects from biting the Prophet and still he, Abu Bakr is bitten and does not wake the Prophet from his sleep. I love the Prophet because when he arrived in Medina with Abu Bakr they actually thought that Abu Bakr was the Prophet because he was so unassuming in the way that he carried himself, and so unassuming in the way that he dealt with his friends and his companions. I love the Prophet Sallallahu because in the beginning of the call, when he called the people of Quraysh together, the notables, to ask them to answer his call, none of the men stood up, and only one young man, a boy, stood up, and said, I will bear witness to the call that you are calling us to, I will follow your way, O Rasulullah, and that young boy was Ali, رضي الله I love the Prophet ﷺ because of the man who went to him and he asked him, Ya Rasulallah, who's the most beloved person to you? And when he went and he asked him that, he thought that he was the most beloved. Because everybody thought that they were the most beloved person to the Prophet ﷺ. And I love the Prophet ﷺ because his answer to that question was his wife, Aisha and then when the man asked again, he pushed again, he thought he was going to be the first one from the men The Prophet SAW said, Abu, her father I love the Prophet because he combined qualities and attributes that are seemingly not possible to combine in the same person He was strong and courageous, yet he was soft and kind He was humble and calm, yet he was extremely intelligent and strategic Everything that you think, these cannot come together in one human being The Prophet brought them together in one human being. I love the Prophet because he never gave up his mission. Regardless of the consequences, regardless of the difficulties, regardless of what he saw, his mission was to tell people about the love of Allah. His mission was to guide people to the submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he did not give up that mission. And I love the Prophet because he cared for us more than he cared for himself. Sallallahu wa And all of this is in the past and all of this is maybe not so tangible for people And a lot of times people say that they're happy that they learned about Islam before they actually met the Muslims And although Alhamdulillah I've had my fair share of difficulties with the Muslims I'm very happy that I met the Muslims actually before I learned about Islam Because the Muslims are the ones who indicated to me and showed me what is the way of the Prophet And so I love the Prophet of Allah because I love those who follow his way. I love the simple kindness and generosity of the everyday Muslim. I love the way that people treat you when you come into their home. I love sitting on the ground I love coming to a community that has backgrounds and colors and languages and experiences that are so diverse, and yet we still come to the same place. I love the Prophet them because the love of the Prophet that I see in the behavior of the Muslims, who are trying to a lesser or greater extent to follow and be true to his word. And so I encourage all of us to actually reflect on this question. And if we don't have a good answer to this question, then it's an indication that we need to do some study. Because if we can't figure out why we love the Prophet the then we can't figure out anything about who we are or where we're going after we die. Because that is the key to our existence, that is the key to who we are. And that is the key to who we strive to be we ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us of our sins and our shortcomings O oh allah forgive us of our sins except from us our deeds enter us into paradise and keep us away from your punishment help us to do good in this life so that we may attain your pleasure in the next oh allah help us to follow the example of your messenger in everything that we do in our actions and our statements in our internal states and in the way that we treat with others and the way that we deal with the world Help us to be true to you and your message and all that we do. You give us the good of this life and the next. Allah is fulfilled in the If you اللهم بديتنا رمضان اللهم بديتنا رمضان فاننا قد اقتربنا منه وصلى اللهم وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال محمد وصحبه وسلم كثيرة كثيرا الصلاة